Hey, I'm Michael Quast. Welcome to the Prevention is Better podcast. Firefighters are right now battling a house fire. A large fire broke out on Kenal Street this afternoon. Three firefighters got hurt while battling the flames here. Reports of a house fire. Breaking news right now, clearing the rubble after a two-alarm fire. If you don't know who Jim Crawford is, it's likely the case that you do not work in the fire service. But even if you do, it's okay not to know Jim. Weird, but definitely okay. Why? Well, Jim wouldn't hold it against you. As you will hear, accolades and prizes mean less to Jim than the actual work of protecting people, both in the fire service and in our communities. Jim has had an incredible career, over 40 years, and he's very humble about it all. What does an incredible career sound like? Like this. Retired Fire Marshal and Deputy Chief of the Vancouver Fire Department in Washington State. A member of the NFPA Technical Committee. Former member of the Standards Council for the NFPA. A fellow of the Institution of Fire Engineers. A life member of the IAFC. Past President of the International Fire Marshals Association. Past President of Vision 2020. Author of Fire Prevention Organization and Management and a winner of a slew of awards, including the Dr. Ann Phillips Award for Leadership in Fire and Life Safety Education from the CFSI. This is a man who has spent a lifetime talking about fire safety and prevention. So, you know, let, let me try to start at the beginning um, and ask you how you got involved in fire safety. I started as a firefighter, a volunteer in 1975 and, and paid firefighter in 76. There was a presentation on a national report called America Burning, talking about fire safety in the U.S. in a presentation from a prevention advocate from a neighboring fire department. And I got bit by the bug. From that point forward, uh, I was very much interested in being proactive on prevention and was really only a firefighter for a relatively short period of time. Uh, right around 1980 is when I started getting involved in prevention actively. Is that unusual that somebody who's been in the fire service for, you know, a relatively short period of time gets interested in, you know, advocacy uh, work and, and more administrative stuff early on in their career? I think it's unusual in the sense that not as many people go down that path but I don't think it's unusual when you consider across the country that there are people who are just built that way. And so there are people like me all over the world who just get bit by that bug. So when you're talking about a bug, is that a bug that says, I need to do something different to solve this fire safety issue? You see a photo of somebody who's been burned, which was published highly in that report I mentioned, America Burning, and you recognize how horrible that is. So you can't help but from that point forward, start thinking about the damage that that's doing to people's lives, killing people, injuring people, burns, you know, being one of the most severe traumas that a body can experience and survive. So you just naturally turn that into how do we prevent this from happening so that somebody else doesn't have to go through it. So I don't know how, what else to call that, but just to say you get bit by that bug and, and away you go, you want to be proactive about it. Take a moment to appreciate the passion you've just heard. Here's a man who has spent more than four decades working in the fire safety space, and he still vividly remembers an image 
of a burned fire victim from a report issued in the mid-70s. In fact, he doesn't just remember it. He was changed by it. What I mean by proactive is you're getting ahead of the call. So anticipating what calls are going to come in, how can we get in front of this? How can we do a better job of it? And we know that the human race is capable of that. I mean, the United Kingdom, New Zealand, Australia, Germany, places like that have near half the fire death rate per capita that we do in the United States. So it's obvious that we can do a better job of that here. Having started as a firefighter, I can tell you that I have great respect for what they go through. There are people who are alive today because they were rescued by firefighters from a bad a situation. So I never minimize, you know, the emergency response side of what we collectively call community risk reduction and emergency responses. In the case of property owners or property managers, for example, what is it that they don't understand about the risks that they have in terms of fire? And ultimately, I want to get into cooking fire, but you know, let's start off just you know, cooking fire safety generally. There is some evidence uh, to something that we've always known, and that is that people don't believe a fire is going to happen to them. They might think in terms of medical emergencies, you know, more so, frankly, because the numbers are more prevalent for folks. but. If you start with the basic premise that it's not going to happen, it's not difficult to imagine that property owners, property managers suffer from the same malady. That gets into a mindset of, okay, I don't need to spend money on something that's not going to happen. You talk with them about fire sprinklers. You talk with them about, you know, smoking issues in properties. And until it happens to them, uh, they're really not concerned about it. Jim is under no illusions. There is no quick fix or single answer to getting property managers or owners to become proactive. Even when driven by the local fire service, the most effective solutions are those that are location-specific and those that evolve through trial and error. Uh, there are some departments out there that have great results, and Tualatin Valley Fire and Rescue in Oregon uh, comes to mind. They are well-known for their multifamily housing you know, prevention program that produced measurable results. They put together a specific program that brought property managers together for training at the fire department, gave them food, put them through the training, created a mechanism that worked very well and produced measurable results. Uh, that much uh, is a good example for others to follow and I could highly recommend it. I can tell you that when I was fire marshal in Vancouver, Washington, that we tried doing that and it didn't work. Property managers there were not as motivated. Maybe it was my personality, maybe the food wasn't good enough. I mean, I honestly can't tell you. The point to all of this is there are programs that work and it will shed some light on what local fire departments should be doing to reach out to people who live there, to reach out to property managers who deal with that property, but it's not a silver bullet. It is basically a roadmap and you'll have to adapt it to your local community. I ran out of time before we could figure out what to do there in, in Vancouver to make that work better. Ran out of time, meaning I left Vancouver to work on Vision 2020, so. Uh, maybe you could give us a quick synopsis of what Vision 2020 is all about. Vision 2020 is an initiative to do something proactive to improve prevention efforts, and in particular, fire prevention efforts in the United States. We have more or less adopted the mentality of, we don't know whether we're going to be funded for another year or not, so whatever we produce needs to be usable, needs to be made available, 
needs to be spread as far and wide as possible. So we're basically in the mode of preparing tools, messaging tools, uh, training, those kinds of things that would help the roughly 30,000 know, fire departments in the U.S. do a better job at what they're doing, becoming more proactive in their own right. You can find those tools, including an advocacy toolkit, on the Vision 2020 website at strategicfire.org. I want to dig into cooking fires and get a sense from you to start. How big a problem are cooking fires? Well, it's a huge problem. It is still uh, the number one cause of fire incidents in the U.S. I don't think it receives near the attention that it deserves because a lot of the fires are not reported. So there's that factor in determining how big the problem you know, really is. Therefore important, and in particular because of the potential for, for damage that is obvious when a kitchen fire goes beyond a stovetop and spreads throughout a kitchen or throughout the entire home, and in many cases injures people or uh, kills them. We know from past experience that people get distracted when they're, when they're cooking, uh, and that's when fires occur more frequently. And further, that scenario is exacerbated when you have elderly who are starting to get more forgetful or people who are impaired by either alcohol or drugs or both. So it's kind of a spectrum, starting with just the numbers. You know, you're gonna have a, a certain percentage of fires based on that activity alone, and then progressively getting more severe as you add other uh, elements, forgetfulness, um, alcohol, drug impairment, um, age, those kinds of things. So how do property managers help protect their properties and their tenants? whether they are college students, soldiers, or seniors. By being proactive. By embracing solutions that can help prevent fires from happening. Jim thinks that the fire service has a huge opportunity here, too. I'm kind of disappointed that more fire service folks aren't embracing the technology that goes along with this. We've spent a considerable amount of time, and it's no accident, you know, that I'm a supporter of pioneering um, because of the work that you've done in creating the products that will make a difference. It's unattended cooking that becomes a problem. If you're there, uh, it's not. But when you walk away is when you forget about it and problems occur. And I'm concerned that the fire service really is not embracing the technological answers to this problem the way that they could. So we spent considerable amount of time and effort getting Underwriter Laboratory and the industry to recognize that changes were necessary that resulted in changes to the testing criteria UL858 for coil top stoves, uh, opening the door for a listing of products, pioneering being the first that I was made uh, aware of, to develop this technology that would regulate the heat and prevent fires from occurring in the first place. So even if I'm drunk, on drugs, I'm getting older and forgetful, or the phone rang and I got involved in a conversation with Aunt Bertha, whatever the reason, there's technology available that has demonstrated time and time again that it will actually work. And I say time and time again because of the reports that we have seen from military properties across the world that have put it in place, from places like Worcester, Massachusetts, 
who dropped their fire incident rate from something like 138 fires, you know, annually to zero uh, with this technology. It is a rock solid proven technology that can have a measurable difference in one of the principal causes of fires in the United States, Canada, and around the world, I am confident. Okay, let's take a moment to unpack some of what Jim was talking about there. First, you knew that having an Aunt Bertha in your kitchen could be such a cooking fire hazard. Consider yourself warned. More seriously, the underwriter's laboratory reference that Jim made relates to the UL858 standard that applies to electric coil stoves. The impact that Jim and many others had in changing that standard was the creation of what is now called UL85860A, specifically a minimum cooking oil ignition test that all new stoves sold in the United States must meet. The new standard came into full effect in April 2019. Now, there's lots of discussion about the actual test criteria and whether it reflects real cooking behavior but it's definitely a step in the right direction. It's also a clear indication that the industry has at least acknowledged the cooking fire problem and that controlling the temperature of the stove can offer a solution. Now, Pioneer Technology with its patented temperature limiting control TLC technology is, well, a pioneer in this area. Our products, Smart Element and Smart Burner, employ this technology and they work very well. How well? They've been installed more than a million times without a single cooking fire. Final piece to circle back on relates to Jim mentioning Lieutenant Annie Pickett. Lieutenant Pickett is with the Wooster Fire Department and has done tremendous work with the Wooster Housing Authority to combat their cooking fire problem using SmartBurner. You can hear from Annie firsthand in our podcast entitled Wooster. Okay, back to Jim and the discussion about being proactive. How does the cooking fire safety message get delivered? It boils down to if the fire service is my audience, how do I reach them? Social media, buying advertisements and trade journals, whatever it is that gets us to the point where we are reaching the fire service and making them aware that these products are available to support them, you know, to use them in their programs as Annie Pickett has done and others have done, you know, using grant funds to purchase them, put them in low-income housing, for example, um, that kind of, of a strategy would be one subset. The other is reaching people directly. And, and I happen to think that um, a real target audience there is multifamily housing for the reasons that I mentioned earlier. That's where what happens in your kitchen can affect other people, and in particular in some of the properties that we've discussed where you have a higher percentage of folks and a higher fire incident rate, you have reason to intervene and say, uh, perhaps we need to order these things into these properties to make a measurable difference in the number of fires. My sense is that part of the challenge is awareness for the cooking fire problem. Without embarrassing anybody or naming anybody, I have had conversations with uh, fire chiefs who have admitted that there has been a cooking fire in their fire department. Um, and it was only after that incident that they took steps to uh, mitigate the risk that they had. So one is just building awareness for the problem. The other one is they may be aware of the problem, but they're not willing to spend money to solve the problem. 
What are the risks, Jim? Like, if there's a fire in a multifamily building, and you touched on this earlier, uh, you know, apartment 101A has a fire. What does that mean? What does that mean for the property and for the other tenants, the other renters? If it is bad and it does spread, then you're affecting, as I said before, 1A, 2A and B, 3A, B and C. And sometimes, because the fire was spread throughout the entire complex, a whole bunch of people, don't ask me to name a number, it depends on the size of the complex, their lives are perhaps ruined. So let's start with that. Somebody dies. How do you quantify something like that? How do you even do justice to the fact that an unintentional you know, incident caused by someone else killed somebody in an apartment complex that had nothing to do with it? And then all of the people who are misplaced lost their housing, lost all of their possessions because maybe they didn't even know about renter's insurance. So they didn't have any or they couldn't afford it. And now they're without housing. It's winter. Uh, I can't afford first and last month's rent. I mean, just extrapolate that. And the potential for damage is extreme. The issue is significant and there is something that we can do about it. I get a sense that people underestimate how fast fires can can consume uh, a unit or a building. How fast is fast? The irony of this is I started <clears throat> long enough ago where the problem that we had in some of the older homes was called balloon construction. There were no fire stops in the walls and a fire could spread very rapidly through the walls up into the attic and a whole home is gone. enter, you know, more modern fire codes and fire stops and so on in the construction. Uh, combine that with, uh, you know, cotton-based, you know, fabrics, you know, wood furniture, those kinds of things that are going to burn more slowly. And let's say that the time you had to escape a fire was, this is wrong, but I'll use it as an example, something like, you know, 15 minutes you had to get out of your home. A research done at UL, NIST, other places recognizing that modern construction, meaning more open floor plans, so not the compartmentalization that we've had in the past, um, also the materials that we use, the synthetics, the plastics and whatnot, it is burning so much more quickly that they're estimating something like three minutes now, you know, to get out of a house fire. You've got a very impressive biography, uh, accolades and awards. I'm guessing that uh, a lot of them are, are special and significant in different ways, if not all of them. Uh, but is there any one in particular that stands out for you? I really, I really can't say that there's one that stands out. I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with recognition personally. I do appreciate, you know, everybody does appreciate your efforts being recognized. They're all special in their own way. Everything from, you know, an individual recognition from a fire department that I have helped to, you know, pictures that the kids draw you after your classroom visit. It all points to the same thing. You, you feel good about what you're doing, and it's always great to be appreciated. You're an excellent politician, Jim. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What's, what's the hardest lesson that you've had to learn in terms of being an advocate for fire safety? 
There is never as much effort put into prevention as there is in response. The answer is because we don't think it's going to happen. We're so busy responding to the incidents that we do have. Putting money up front, you know, is always more challenging. Uh, you know, Benjamin Franklin is the one who's attributed to saying an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. In other words, we've always known that, but we collectively don't do that. Um, last question. Uh, in terms of cooking fire safety, if you were speaking to a property owner or manager, what advice would you have for them? Stop relying on the technology that you've always had. First of all, you don't think it's going to happen to you, but it's happening frequently enough where odds are it could happen to you, and therefore you should be prepared to deal with it. You can certainly educate folks, but if you're interested in protecting your investment, protecting yourself from lawsuits, protecting the people who rely on you for shelter, then you need to be proactive and you need to start looking at technology that will make a difference in your properties. Number one, that's where I would point them. Sage advice from someone who stands very tall, albeit very humbly, in the fire service and has spent a career advocating for proactive fire safety prevention. One final comment. I did not get a chance to ask Jim this directly, but I suspect that his mentioning Benjamin Franklin was not accidental. It turns out that Franklin's an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure quote is actually connected to the issue of home fires. It seems that he was keen for his adopted city of Philadelphia to improve its firefighting techniques. And in 1735, Benjamin Franklin sent an anonymous letter to the Pennsylvania Gazette his own newspaper, by the way, that said, and I quote, In the first place, as an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, I would advise them to take care how they suffer living coals in a full shovel, to be carried out of one room into another, or up or downstairs, unless in a warming pan shut. For scraps of fire may fall into chinks and make no appearance until midnight. When your stairs being in flames, you may be forced, as I once was, to leap out of your windows and hazard your necks to avoid being oven roasted. <laughs> Crazy, huh? Almost 300 years later, we're still talking about prevention as a key to fire safety. So take heed. Whether it's Benjamin Franklin or Jim Crawford or your local fire service, be proactive. In the case of cooking fire risk, think about our range of proven products that can actually help prevent the fire before it starts. And for more information, visit preventcookingfires.com. Thanks to Jim Crawford for taking part, and thank you for listening.